Hi friends, Erica here, and I wanted to let you know that today's episode is sponsored by my friends over at YM Dental Lab. They are offering two free zirconia crowns for all new customers. Check them out at ymdentallaboratory.com for more information. Now, on with the show. just uh, getting everything up and running. So hope everybody's having a good day. I'm debating on going live on Instagram as well. So I'm contemplating. They won't get to see the screen, but I'm debating. I don't know. 
So while I do this, because I think I'm going to go ahead and go live on Instagram as well. Um, do you guys have any questions? Like what, what do you, okay. So before everybody, before more people get here, I guess we'll just kind of do a pregame. Um, this is going to turn out to be another seven part series. Cause there's about 15 things I want to cover in detail, um, about the clean claim process, because I really want to teach or impress upon everyone that is attending this training, the importance of um, submitting the claim the right way the first time. And it's more than just um, like, it's, it's just, it's more than just clicking on submit, right? So a lot of you are medical billers. So you understand what I'm talking about. There are a lot of things that we can do that can deny, that can cause an insurance company to deny or delay a claim um, because we just didn't take the time Ooh, almost fell out. we just didn't take the time to review it right but there's there is so much more um, so much more to that so um, yeah as we as we wait for uh, more people what time is it right now I can't check my time It is. Hi, Instagram. Um, so I am going to be live while I do this training. Um, we're going to be, we're going to be talking about the clean claim process and um, just waiting for my, uh, those that had a, um, registered for the webinar to join us. And so um, this might be a, this might be about an hour. I'll just leave it on. And I'm going to wait. We're scheduled to start. Oh, duh. The time is right there. We're scheduled to start in two minutes. So I'm going to give it about two minutes and then we will get started on um, the clean claim process. And um, again, uh, for those of you that are just joining us, it is going to be another seven-part series, the clean claim process, and we just have so much to go over. Um, I truly believe that if you can master submitting a clean claim the the right way the first time, um, I believe you're going to set yourself apart from a lot of uh, individuals who just don't understand the, uh, the concept of submitting a clean claim the first time. So, um, a lot more to it than, uh, just throwing some codes onto a claim. Um, you know, so I, I want to get into that. We have one more minute and then we are going to get started. Um, again, we're going to talk about the clean claim process and, um, I'm excited. So for those of you on Instagram who want to join us, um, on this webinar, ooh, I don't think I had a link to this webinar in my link tree in my bio. Um, I'm not, oh, I might. So if you are interested in joining this webinar, then feel free to go to my bio, um, click on the link tree, and you can join us as we go through the clean claim process. Uh, webinar is about to start in about one minute. And um, 
just waiting for for the uh, the rest of those that had registered for the training to join us. Again, this is going to be another seven-part series, and um, I'm really excited. I'm really excited. So looks like it's time to start. So let's go ahead and get started. All right. So thank you for those of you that have um, joined me and registered for this training. We are going to talk about the clean claim process and uh, what that means. Uh, It is more than just submitting or placing codes on a claim. There's just so much that goes into understanding um, what all goes into a clean claim. So let's go ahead and get started. Thank you. All right. So let me start off with some food for thought. Okay. Did you know, I just want to give you an idea of the, um, oh gosh, what am I trying to say? Um, I want to give you an idea of how often claims are denied and, um, and why they are denied. So um, this should give you a good foundation of knowledge as to why the clean claim process is so important. All right. So in 2017, we had about $60 million in claims denied. Okay. So that's the dollar amount that was denied in claims. Hi, friends. Erica here. And I just wanted to pop in and give you a personal invite to our next event, Dental Billing Disrupted which is happening in Atlanta, Georgia on April 20th. This speaker lineup is insane and we are going to cover everything dental billing and then some. If you're interested in learning more about the event, go to the link in my show notes and I hope to see you there. Now back to the show. The striking statistic for me is that only 5% of those claims were ever appealed. Okay. That should say were appealed. (laughs) Sorry about that typo guys. Um, So again, 2017, about $60,000, million in claims were denied. Only 5% of those claims were ever appealed. Okay. So what does that tell you? That tells you two things. One, we're not appealing hardly ever. That's one way we are simply leaving money on the table, right? So um, that's not okay because you guys have heard me say this before. As a biller, it's all in a day's work. Our job is to maximize on every dollar owed to the practice, okay? So if we're not appealing claims because, you know, we decide that it's just not worth our time to appeal that claim or we don't have time in a day, then it sounds to me like we need to be more intentional um, about our time and how we are spending our time when we are responsible for getting claims paid. Okay, Um, here's the number one reason why claims get denied and delayed when it comes to the clean claim process. Uh, The subscriber information is typically incorrect or we've got patient's date of birth incorrect Guys, this is something that is so simple. We're not talking about, uh, you know, an incorrect code. Oh, sorry, guys. I have my music on in the background. Let me turn that off. Um, Alexa, off. 
sorry about that. Um, so again, it's we're not talking about um, the coding system. We're not talking about the diagnosis codes that we're using on our dental claims, if you're using diagnosis codes at all. We're not talking about, um, you know, coding an adult profi versus the child profi. We're talking about the basic demographic information that insurance companies first screen for. When we submit a claim, insurance companies have a screening process. And the first area that is screened is going to be the demographic information, right? So it's going to be the uh, patient address, the patient's um, date of birth, their name. Is their name spelled correctly? I've seen claims get denied and delayed because we're off by a couple letters. Um, you know, maybe, for example, I spell my name E-R-I-C-K-A. Maybe you submitted it as E-R-I-K-C-A. <laughs> I don't know. As an example, you know, those are some of the reasons why insurance companies get the opportunity to deny or delay before they even get to the coding system, before they even get to the section of the claim um, that tells the insurance company what we did, before they start looking at the narrative, before they look at the x-rays, before they look at the attachments, the intraorals, they, you didn't even give them the opportunity to get that far because we didn't pay attention to that. So, um, Understand that the clean claim process starts with the demographic information that we place on, on the claim form. That's going to be, um, you know, obviously, we're all using the 2019 ADA claim form, most recent version. And um, up at the top, there have been some changes to the claim form that I'm not going to get into right now. Um, but there have been some changes to the claim form. And um, one of which is going to be, um, oh my gosh, the student status. That's no longer there. Uh, so make sure A, that you're using the, the most up-to-date claim form because insurance companies have been known to deny or delay because you're using an older version of the claim form. That's one area of the clean claim process. Two, make sure that your patient demographic information is accurate and no information is missing. Okay, so that was food for thought. Okay, so again, for those of you that are just joining us, $60 million in dental claims were denied in 2017. Only 5%, friends, 5% were ever appealed. I don't know what was approved. I don't know what made it through uh, the, the appeal process. I don't know, you know, all I know is 5% of the $60 million in denials were ever appealed. Okay, so if you don't know the appeal process, stay tuned. Again, this is going to be another seven-part series, and we are going to talk about the appeal process in detail um, during one of our Lunch and Learns. I am going to be keeping these uh, this, this particular seven-part series every Thursday at 12 noon Pacific Standard Time. So um, if you are not able to make the training, Again, we are going to be recording all trainings and we will be putting them up on the website. So stay tuned for that. We are still editing the last series, uh, Dental Billing 101. I'm not gonna lie, friends. I am re-recording a couple of those videos because I was just not happy with, um, actually it's just the first one. So 
Okay, let's let's go into uh, what all we're going to talk about. So there's 15 steps to a clean claim. I know it sounds like a lot of information. I know it sounds like it's going to be overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to go through all of these steps in order to submit the claim the right way the first time. And the answer is yes. Yes, you are. Um, if you want to set yourself apart from you know, everyone else, for those of you that are looking to open your own dental billing company, I suggest that you focus on the clean claim process um, because the name of the game and the competition right now for third-party billing companies, and I'm talking about in dentistry, um, is how quickly can you get my claims paid? I want to know that you understand the term, uh, a term like uh, days in AR. What, it, what does days in AR mean to me as a practice owner? It means you understand that my claim should get paid in seven to 10 business days. Um, so I, I want you to know that you are going to be able to reduce the amount of days in AR when you understand how to submit a claim the right way the first time, and it is a true clean claim. So today we're going to talk about steps one and two, and um, it's going to sound very basic and you might even you know, think, oh my gosh, I, I get this. I know this, but do you? Do you really? Because um, I would love to see, I would love to know what your days in AR are currently, okay? Um, all right. I've mentioned this a few times. This is going to be another seven-part series as to um, how to submit a claim, a clean claim. Uh, we're going to talk a lot, we're gonna talk about everything that goes in between submitting a clean claim and all of the things that you need to understand in order to know that you are submitting the claim the right way the first time. Um, one of those things, I can't emphasize this enough, if you are a biller, if you are aspiring to be a biller in dentistry, please understand that you must must, must uh, know how to manually calculate a treatment plan. It is not about always relying on your practice management software to calculate the copayments. I have yet to work with an office that uh, I find the treatment plans being accurately calculated uh, because a lot of times we're not setting up our software accurately. Um, we are not. Hey, Instagram family, we are not um, making sure that our downgrades are going to be calculated accurately. And downgrades, as most of you know who are experienced, downgrades are going to be on a per patient basis. So, as you, this is not something that you can just set your uh, system up to do for everybody because the system does not know um, what the patient's insurance breakdown looks like. So it is important that if you want to submit a clean claim, start with setting up your software in a way that, or let me back up, start with understanding how to set up the family file if you're in open dental, um, 
the account uh, for those of you that, you know, for various, every practice management software calls it something different, but the area that you input the patient's breakdown of benefits, there's an area there in all softwares that asks you if crowns are downgraded, you know, porcelain crowns on molars or posterior crowns are downgraded to, um, you know, whatever code they're downgraded to, to. Our posterior composites downgraded to amalgam and understand how to manually calculate that. Because again, this is where I find a lot of offices are leaving money on the table. Um, these are losses that are not showing up on profit and loss statements. These are losses that we are taking as a dental practice at the hands of the the individual who is setting up the patient's account because they don't know how to properly set that fa family file up. Um, so again, I'm going to go back to my point. We are going to talk about how to properly calculate a treatment plan, but it is your job to know how to set up the patient's family file, the patient's um, demographic information, because in that area, you are going to be inputting the insurance information and that you want to include those downgrades. All right. So moving on, we're also going to be talking about understanding your breakdown of benefits. And I know friends, we have companies that can do this for us um, and they're great companies. However, it is important that if you are using a third-party company, um, it is important that they are willing to ask uh, code-specific questions on your breakdown of benefits. And so far, um, I think um, for those of you that are wondering who I would recommend, I like Verific um, or Verific, I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but they do ask code-specific questions. Um, and it is important that you don't just get a generic breakdown of benefits, because if we don't ask the right questions up front based on the procedures that we are doing on a regular basis in the practice, if we are not doing that, we are going to, again, bleed financially. It's not going to show up on the profit and loss statement, and we're going to lose in time. We're going to lose in productivity because we're not, it, we're not going to be able to maximize on that interaction between our providers and our patients, okay? What about, I get this question asked all the time from my billers, which reports do I need to run and when do I run them? We are going to cover that. That's going to be towards the end of the seven-part series. Um, but again, you guys know that I make myself, my, I make myself available for those those of you that are that have questions in between the different um, trainings that we are going to have together. So if you have questions uh, specific to reports, what you should be running, when you should run them, then you know we can always hop on a call and talk about that. Here's the thing. One thing is knowing which reports to run and when to run them. And then the other thing is knowing when, like how to interpret those reports. And I do have a, a method to interpreting your account receivable report because looking at your account receivable 
report, and I'm and I'm speaking about insurance account receivable only, but looking at your insurance account receivable report can tell you so much, uh, can give you so many action items because you got to look at it and look beyond the numbers, right? So it's, you know, taking a look at your days in AR, taking a look at um, key performance indicators, like, you know, what does a healthy 90 day column look like with insurance account receivables? And I know a lot of you are going to say, well, duh, it's zero. Um, Not necessarily, because depending on the area that you're in, you may be in an area where you have a ton of slow paying, self-funded insurance plans. And if that's the case, your account receivable report will reflect that. And so rather than looking at your account receivable report and thinking, oh my God, you know, our claims don't get paid or I must be doing something wrong. It may not be that you're doing anything wrong. It may be that you just have a ton of self-funded employers in your area. And when they are self-funded employers, they can do and pay whenever they want. And I'm not going to get into that because that's a whole other training in of itself. But, you know, again, I want you to run your reports on a timely basis. Um, create that drumbeat in your billing department so that you're running your reports and monitoring those numbers as they are changing. I know we have softwares like, you know, Dental Intel and other softwares that tell us, but when you are running your reports and you are interpreting this information, it's beyond the numbers, uh, beyond what these third-party companies are going to tell you. Uh, So yeah, I I believe that those companies are great as well, but I also think that A, uh, for accountability purposes, we should be running our reports um, on a regular basis and calculating how we're doing and having regular meetings with our doctors, um, you know, just so that we understand how we are truly performing. So we are going to talk about that. Uh, Dental billing department meetings, we're going to talk about that. Uh, I just talked about managing insurance account receivables. Um, Billing, uh, this is my favorite, friends. Like, if there's one thing I love doing, and those of you that know what the preliminary audit is, uh, I've spent some time with some of you uh, showing you what a preliminary audit looks like. For those of you that are looking to open your own dental billing company, a preliminary audit is essentially the foundation or the baseline as to where the client truly is um, with billing department performance. And we have some formulas that we um, like to run. And I I will, I I like to share this with others. Uh, These formulas tell us true performance and it's not necessarily all billing related. Sometimes it's Um, you know, how the hygiene department is performing. What is the perio performance percentage? And what does that have to do with the dental billing department, right? So it has everything to do with the dental billing department because we have found that most coding and billing opportunity is left on the table in the hygiene department. So if as a biller, I can 
help you to see what your true billing department performance, I'm sorry, what your true uh, perio performance percentage is, then we can take a deeper look at where we could be leaving some opportunity on the table uh, you know, with our hygiene patients. And so, uh, that is a whole other topic. You guys, I can talk about so many things related to the billing department because it's what I live, eat and breathe about. Um, Hey Monique. Hi friends. So, uh, yeah, so let's, let's go ahead. And, um, we talked about the appeal, appealing dental claims. What about understanding how to code difficult treatment plans? Now, it may be difficult today to code, uh, let's say uh, a very common question I get is how to code implant bridges, right? So what, what, what is the correct way to code implant bridges? Um, that may be difficult for you today. I promise once we get through this series, those types of coding scenarios will not be so difficult. Now, Practice makes perfect, so it is important that we understand, um, you know, your coding abilities, coding um, smarter takes time. It isn't something that, you know, you're going to just, you know, take this seven-part series and become an expert. But I want you to know that, you know, this is just some of the, some of the things that we're going to talk about through this seven-part series. Um, and uh, it is going to be some, some really good stuff. Okay. So let's see here. So the question is by definition, what is a clean claim? Okay. So by definition, a clean claim is a claim that has no defect, uh, impropriety or special circumstance, including incomplete documentation that delays timely payment. Coding is not included in this definition, if you notice that. So um, a clean claim, again, the, the first area that insurance companies look at is going to be the demographic information. So they're going to make sure that all of the patient's data, you know, patient's date of birth, their ID, their insurance ID, the subscriber ID, all of that stuff is accurate. Um, so. That is the dictionary version of clean claim. Now, I'm going to give you my version of a clean claim. My version of a clean claim is a claim that has been coded accurately. Um, and we also have the correct attachments, whether those attachments are things like intraoral photos, um, x-rays, Whatever that is, my version of a clean claim is all of the above is accurate the first time and we get timely payment. What is the definition of timely payment? So for me, I want to get paid and I want my clients to get paid in seven to 10 business days. Now, it can take longer than that. Some offices are not submitting uh, claims electronically, and that's okay. Um, but the idea is our when we're looking at our account receivable report, I want to know that 92% or more of my claims are getting paid within 30 days. 
I would love to see that number below 10 days. Um, but you know, we can, we'll get there. The average office, uh, when they're, when we are looking at a, a days in AR, the average office starts at about 37 days in AR. So, um, if that's the case and, and that's where we're starting, our goal is to implement strategies that we know are going to get that claim processed quicker. Okay. So let's, Talk about how we are going to make that happen. All right. Hey, Maria. <laughs> I thought I would um, go live on, on Instagram for this. So um, thank you guys for tuning in. All right. So I have a saying. And um, for anybody that has worked with me, you know that I am a huge advocate um, in training your back office teams with billing, right? So um, yes, our dental assistants, um, our hygienists, if they are taking x-rays, their own x-rays, um, I'm a huge advocate for having billing trainings with your back office teams, because billing starts in the back, my friends. So how, what do I mean by that? How many times have you, you, you may or may not have the experience, but I'll tell you, I'll just speak for my own. I'll speak for myself. There have been many times that I submit a claim and there was no preoperative x-ray taken. And the, and the treatment is done. So if, if the insurance company says per their payment qualify, qualification guidelines that we need a preoperative x-ray proving that the decay was present and or otherwise we're not going to receive payment and we go ahead and do the treatment and the assistant didn't even know that they were supposed to get that x-ray, right? Um, doctors certainly not gonna think about that because doctors just wanna get in there and treat their patients. There's no way we're gonna receive payment. And so it is important that we are training our back office teams and helping them understand what it is that they need to collect for us as the biller to submit a clean claim. Right. So um, do they does your back office understand, you know, which x-rays need to be taken? What does the clinical documentation need to say if you want me to bill for a certain treatment? Um, you know, I am not going to bill for something that is not documented. So if it's not documented, we're not billing for it. And so a lot of times I find that we leave billing opportunity on the table because we don't document, we don't document in a way that allows me as your biller to codify the interaction between the doctor and the patient in a way that, you know, helps maximize on reimbursement. So really important that we spend some time with our assistants, with our hygienists, with our doctors, um, you know, just helping them to get 
a glimpse into our world as billers and help them help us, right? So help me help you. And, um, you know, all of the things that start in the back. So what about those clinical, uh, those intraoral photos? Those intraoral photos are our saving grace when it comes to appeals. Now, if we have gotten to the point where we need to appeal a claim, usually we have already submitted the, you know, preoperative anything. And the name of the game is not to resubmit the, the same information that we've already sent in, right? Um, it is the name of the game in the appeal process is to retell the story with additional information that the insurance ex insurance claims examiner can take into consideration, um, not resubmitting everything. However, sometimes we don't always submit those intraorals the first in the initial first uh, in the initial submission of the claim. Sometimes we have them there as backup. Um, and if that's the case, those intraoral photos really do help save the day when it comes to um, appealing claims or when we're asking for uh, reconsideration of a claim. Uh, those intraorals, friends, please get in the habit. Make sure that your back office, your assistants know when they need to take those intraorals. What about history? Okay. Um, it, how many times as a biller have I heard things like, uh, you know, the crown was denied because there was history. What does that mean? Um, crowns are given frequency limitations, typically five to seven years. I've seen as high as 10. Um, but let's just go with a five-year frequency limitation. And we go ahead and redo the crown for whatever reason. Well, it could be a perfectly legitimate reason like uh, open margin or recurrent decay. You know, it, there that, that's a legitimate reason to redo a crown. However, insurance payment guidelines stipulate they will only pay for a crown once every five years, okay, as in this example. Um, if the assistant knows to gather the history for that crown, any redo that we do, that would be very helpful for us because A, um, you know, we would know right out the gate, this crown is only four years old. Now we know that it's not going to be a covered benefit by the insurance company. Um, but I all too often, I have seen things like this just make it all the way through the revenue cycle and nobody bothered to ask, how old is that crown? So nobody bothered to gather history. So my recommendation is make sure that back office knows to gather history, whether it's gonna be the doctor, the hygienist, or the assistant. Um, you know, I don't care who does it, but as the biller, if I don't have that information and nobody bothered to tell me that this was a redo and uh, you know, I'm going to go ahead and submit that crown and it's going to get denied. So please do take time to gather your history on pre-existing treatment. Um, very, very important. Finally, um, gathering that health history, uh, incorporating, you know, the risk factors, 
you know, comorbidity, um, di- comorbidities like diabetes or health, uh, high blood pressure, those things help us when it's incorporated into the clinical documentation. Now, I will tell you um, one of the things that I do when I am billing, and we have things like um, scaling and root planning. Um, you know, maybe the patient needs two more cleanings per year. I will ask the insurance company if they will allow two additional cleanings a year. Uh, If the patient has comorbidities like diabetes, high blood pressure, um, they're on blood thinners, so many things. And sometimes the insurance companies will allow the two additional either profis or perio maintenance per year because of the health risk factors that I have included in my narrative. So be sure to make sure that your your back office um, or whoever's doing the clinical documentation, make sure we're, we're incorporating the risk factors into that documentation. Okay, so the question now becomes, and this is all related to the clean claim process, friends. So, you know, again, a lot to know, a lot that goes into the ability to submit a claim the right way the first time without, and this is a team effort, right? I want to make sure, I want to point that out. This is a team effort. This isn't something that, you know, we're just going to, we're just going to say, this is the biller's problem. Yes, it is my responsibility as your biller, to make sure that before I submit the claim, all of the things I need are present. However, as your biller, I have no control of whether or not the assistant takes the x-ray. Sure, I can mention it in the morning huddle. Sure, I can go to the back and I can say, don't forget to get, you know, this preoperative intraoral or this preoperative x-ray. Of course I can do that. Is it realistically going to happen with all of the things that are going on in the billing department or in the billers um, day to day? Probably not. So this is why I'm emphasizing that we do something like this. Um, I suggest that you create a billing department guide and your billing department guide is something that becomes everybody's friend when it in in the practice. I mean, this could be uh, down to, um, you know, understanding what type of narrative, you know, we are going to place on this claim. Uh, So in this example, we have your clinical crown lengthening, and that is D4249. Now that is the procedure code um, with clinical crown lengthening. And those of you that have been doing billing for a long time know that, you know, that's the code for crown lengthening. And crown lengthening is typically done in addition to a crown. Um, The diagnosis code is one of the strategies that we teach you how to use in order to get your claim paid faster because insurance companies um, like when we place the ICD-10 codes and tell the story as to why we needed to do a 
uh, crown lengthening on this tooth in code. Okay, so we have different diagnosis codes. And so you would choose from the diagnosis code that applies to this scenario based on the clinical documentation, right? So if the clinical documentation doesn't tell me why we did this, I cannot codify that interaction. And ultimately, I'm not going to be able to submit the cleanest claim possible. Try saying that 10 times fast. Um, so it's important that in the clinical documentation, we are mentioning also the why behind this treatment um, so that I can codify the diagnosis and look at this area that is highlighted here. In your billing department guide, which should be made up of all of your top 20 codes at minimum, um, every office is processing, you know, 20 to 50 codes on a regular basis. For those of you that have worked with me, um, <clears throat> we make the billing department guide available to you for purchase, um, but it has all of the most common, um, you know, codes that we use in, in dentistry, and it takes all of the guesswork out of the most common, most commonly billed procedures. Um, but I want you to pay attention to this right here. So if this is this is one thing that I would encourage you to do, whether you have a billing department guide um, or not, I would encourage you to make one. Um, you know, there's a report you can run in all of your softwares. There is a report that you can run that will help you identify what your top procedures are. And these procedure codes are going to be the codes that your practice is using on a regular basis and is making up the majority of the practice income. Now, here's where that back office billing training comes into play. Um, if anything else, you can just create a back office billing training guide for your assistance. And this is gold, friends. Create an attachments uh, guideline for them. So, you know, cl clinical crown lengthening. Sorry, friends, I got a phone call. Um, so clinical crown lengthening, let me turn my ringer off. Um, 4249 is our dental code, dental procedure code. And then we are going to use the appropriate diagnosis code or codes, because sometimes you're going to have more than one diagnosis code incorporated into your dental, uh, dental claim. And here's the thing. Your assistant should have been trained as to what was needed in order to get crown lengthening paid in addition to the crown. And a lot of times for these procedures, friends, um, you'll notice that attachments kind of cross over one another. So like for crown lengthening, we need preoperative intraoral photo, uh, pre-op x-rays, uh, PA, and a bite wing. And you're also going to need the same attachments for your crown. Um, but the idea is to get your back office on board with the billing process, understanding that billing starts in the back and the better the x-ray, right? So the better the quality of the x-ray. So it's one thing that they know they need to get a preoperative x-ray, but they also need to understand that the x-ray can't be cone cut 
it, it shouldn't be elongated or foreshortened. It needs to be a good x-ray because insurance companies like to deny and delay based on those factors. I mean, it, you know, they're going to say, they're not going to say, you know, this procedure was denied because the x-ray was elongated or because the x-ray was foreshortened. They're going to say something along the lines of, you know, we couldn't read this x-ray. Therefore, we don't know if this procedure was necessary. We can't see that it meets our payment qualification guidelines. Therefore, we are going to go ahead and deny this claim. So do you see how this all comes together and how billing does start in the back? And this is related to the clean claim process, okay? So again, billing starts in the back. I suggest make a billing department guide, help your assistants and your clinicians, anybody that's going to be taking x-rays, make sure that everybody understands um, you know, when a preoperative intraoral photo is necessary. Um, preoperative x-rays, when are they appropriate and what, which type of x-ray should your assistant be taking for that procedure? Are there any post-operative x-rays that are needed? So um, in your billing department guide, make sure that you get with your biller or for those of you that are billers, um, you know, that have some experience right now, make sure that you are creating this. This is going to add tremendous value for your back office and for your biller so that we as billers, and, and for those of you that have experience, um, hi friends, um, I lost audio. Uh-oh, I think that happens. Can anybody hear me? Sorry, friends. I know that you guys are watching me on the webinar. Just one second. Um, okay, let me go off. Be right, right with, right with you, friends. And we're going to go live again. Okay. Um, so yes, going back to creating a billing department guide for your assistance. Hi, friends on Instagram. Sorry about that. I, I guess when I get a call, it just goes off. Um, create your billing department guide. Make sure that your uh, people understand your assistance, whoever is going to be taking the x-rays understand what is needed. Now, um, the other part about, uh, the other part about this is going to be that your narrative is already built into your billing department guide. So I'll go ahead. Um, for those of you that are on Instagram, I'm going to go ahead and share with you the narrative that I use for crown lengthening, because those of you in this webinar right now can see it. Um, so we have each of our codes broken down. So again, in review, the most common procedure codes that we use on a regular basis should be the focus of our billing department guide. Um, underneath that, we have our diagnosis codes. And um, those are those should be getting used, especially we're in 2022 at this point, friends. Um, really important that we are using those diagnosis codes in dentistry. 
And um, there are a couple of procedures that are requiring diagnosis codes in order to process a claim. I know that a couple of insurance companies um, as of 2022 will not pay for scaling and route planning unless we start incorporating the diagnosis codes. So we are going to start seeing an uptick in denials for scaling and route planning, um, also known as a deep cleaning for those of you that are new to dentistry. But when we are billing a deep cleaning, um, they're going to want to see diagnosis codes on that claim. They want you to prove medical necessity, not only dental necessity, but for something like scaling and root planning, they're going to want us to prove medically why that procedure was necessary. And they're going to want us to tell the story with diagnosis codes. So really important that we are learning how to incorporate those diagnosis codes onto our claim. As an incentive, they are processing claims with diagnosis codes quicker than those without. So they are still accepting narratives, um, though insurance companies do prefer that we start incorporating diagnosis codes. And the incentive is that you get a uh, quicker payment processing. Um, so then we have our attachments. So I'll go ahead and for those of you that are on the webinar, you can follow my little mouse here. Um, make sure that you have your attachments highlighted so that your assistants know what they should be um, preparing and your narrative. Now, the narratives are really nice to have there because I have found in coaching a lot of dental billers, it's the, the conversation always comes up, you know, I struggle with my narratives. I never know what to write for the narrative. Um, and, uh, you know, I will tell you more often than not, when we don't know what to write, we don't write anything. And there are procedure codes that require you to have a narrative or use your diagnosis codes, because the idea behind the diagnosis code is to replace the narrative. Now, you can put both because if you know that makes you feel better, you can put both. But if you are using diagnosis codes, you no longer need to use narratives because the idea is for you to tell the story in code. Why, did, why was this procedure needed? And you tell that story in four diagnosis codes on a dental claim form, okay? If you are using a claim form that does not have an area for you to put your diagnosis codes on, then you're using a very old claim form. So um, the first version of the ADA claim form that uh, offered the space to put the diagnosis code was 2012. So if you're using anything older than 2012, you'd probably need to um, update, just, just update to 2019 <laughs> because that's the version of uh, the claim form that we're on. But if you're on 2012 um, and newer, then you have the ability to put the diagnosis code on the claim. Uh, this is in no way, shape or form. Uh, I'm not saying submit a medical claim to dental because they don't like that. You need to submit this on the ADA 2019 um, at minimum 2012 or newer dental claim form uh, in order to start utilizing your, your um, diagnosis codes. And finally, the final element to your billing department guide for each procedure 
is the narrative. This takes the guesswork out of what to write in the narrative. Again, this is enabling you to submit a cleaner claim, submitting a clean claim the right way the first time and thereby increasing your payment timeframe. So we want to get to a seven to 10 day payment um, days in AR, getting our claims paid within seven to 10 days. Um, this is going to help you do that because when we can take the guesswork out of these types of things, it helps um, with the workflow. It just, things don't bottleneck anymore. So it doesn't matter who is doing the billing. It, it is getting done the same way. So whatever you decide, the narrative needs to be, whatever you decide, you know, which diagnosis codes are appropriate for the procedures that you are doing. Um, this is going to help the billing department flow uh, easier. It's not going to solve all the problems, friends. You're still going to have questions. You're still going to have treatment plans that, you know, you're, you're going to question, you know, how should I code this? That's normal. I still have those scenarios. Um, you know, going, if I can share a scenario with you, I had a practice call me recently. They are on the border. They're in Texas. Um, they're on the border of Mexico and Texas. And um, the biller called me and said, you know, we have a, a ton of patients that come and they want gold lined um, gold margins on their anterior, on their front crowns. And we don't know how to build that. And so, you know, I was a little stumped because we don't get a lot of that in Orange County or in Los Angeles you know, where I work out of. So I called Delta Dental and I said, you know, this is what's going on. We have patients, um, you know, that want gold margins around their porcelain crown. So I know that we're going to bill for a porcelain crown, but how do we bill for the gold? Um, and I, I had an idea how to do it yet. It's just something that I don't do on a regular basis. And so I decided I would call Delta and I was told, you know, you're going to bill for the porcelain crown and, you know, D2740. And then you're going to bill D2999 for the gold. Um, we're not going to pay for it, but you can bill it if you want. Uh, and you can freely charge the patient whatever the cost of the gold is or whatever, you know, you decide your fee is going to be. Um, you know, so sometimes you have those scenarios that you just don't know how to code. And or you're not sure and you just want to be sure, my go-to is to contact the claims department and ask them, how do you suggest I do this? And they will walk you through. And, um, and again, having your billing department guide isn't going to solve all your problems, but it is going to allow you to have to submit cleaner claims more often than not. Okay, so I told you I would share my narrative for crown lengthening. Uh, crown lengthening was needed on tooth number, we'll just say tooth number 14, due to improper biological width. Uh, without the procedure, the crown margin would have been placed too close to the bone. So for those of you that are on the webinar, you see it, um, feel free to use that. And um, for those of you that are not on the webinar and you're on the Instagram, uh, you know, let me know if you have any questions about any particular, um, any particular procedures. All right. So we are almost wrapping up today's session and 
Come on. Maybe it's stuck. So now I had audio problems with, oh, here we go. Oh, that might be the last slide there, friends. Okay, so um, does anybody have any questions about what we just went over? This is going to be, if, if anything else, understand billing starts in the back and the clean, so that means the clean claim process also starts in the back. We talked about making sure that your, um, I'm gonna go ahead and bring something else up here. Give me one second. That means that the, the clean claim process starts with everything going on in the back. It also starts off with how we are, gosh, it can start from as early as making the appointment, okay? Um, I can't emphasize this enough. When we are making an appointment, we need to make sure that we're making an appointment with accurate codes. And if it is a new patient, we need to make sure that those codes are correct. And um, I have Open Dental up here for you guys right now. I'm using Open Dental as my example. This is Jennifer Lopez. She's a new patient in our practice today. And um, if I were to just write a note here, like new patient exam, uh, you know, FMX and exam, there's nothing here. There's no code attached to this appointment. Okay. And in order for us to make everyone's life easier as we are starting the claim process, because believe it or not, the claim process starts from as early as making the appointment accurately, then um, we can potentially uh, miss code or miss opportunity because we're not taking the time to make a proper appointment. Okay. So clean claim process starts with you know, making sure that we add the correct appointment code. Now for this particular um, example, I, when you use Open Dental as the demo versions, notice over here, it says demo database. When you use Open Dental um, as the demo version, it essentially doesn't let you use the correct codes. Notice that these codes are inaccurate, um, but the idea is, you know, for all new patients, we're gonna take a pano, um, we're going to do an exam. We're going to click on the correct codes. And now when this patient is dismissed and we post the treatment, I know this is getting a little advanced, but when we post the treatment to the patient's account, the codes are going to be correct. Therefore, I have a better chance of submitting a clean claim. Um, you know, what about when we are making that appointment and we are obtaining the patient's insurance information. Um, really important that we're asking the right questions. So just as you're going to train your back office team to understand, you know, things like uh, which attachments go with which procedure, it's important that we train our front office team or whoever's going to be answering the phone and taking that new patient phone call 
it's important that we're asking the same questions every single time. I don't want Melissa having her own system and Melissa gets it right every single time. And then Gina gets it right half of the time. I want everybody to get it right the, the every time we make a new patient appointment, because the more accurate, the more um, consistent we are with the questions that we are asking, the better opportunity I have to submit a clean claim. Um, you know, verifying the patient's information. Again, are we using a breakdown of benefits? I have met offices that accept PPO insurance and do not have a breakdown of benefits, or they have a breakdown of benefits that is pathetic. And then they wonder why they have such a high denial rate in their practice. Make sure, as I had said earlier, make sure that your breakdown of benefits is asking code specific questions that are specific to the procedures that you are doing in your office on a regular basis, because I don't want you asking about implant codes if you're not doing implants. I know that sounds like a very basic and generic scenario, but you'd be surprised. Friends in dentistry like to share information and a breakdown of benefits is one of those things that I have found friends in dentistry will share with other offices. And a breakdown is should be considered something that is specific to the practice, not something that is a blanket and you use for every office because every office, their coding profile is going to be different. My doctor loves doing implants and wisdom teeth extractions. She's a general dentist. She loves full bony impactions. She, she, that, she wishes she could do that all day and some implants. Um, other general dentists are going to send those full bony impactions out to a specialist. They do not like it. They don't want to take on the risk. So our breakdown of benefits incorporates full bony impaction codes, right? Whereas the other general dentist who does not like doing that, those codes should not be on that breakdown of benefits. Um, so I hope you guys get the idea that your breakdown of benefits needs to be code specific to your practice. Um, if you are an office that accepts HMOs, then, you know, make sure that you know how to check HMO eligibility. Um, do you have a paper roster or are you guys using something like Trojan? Uh, you know, Trojan is my go-to. Trojan is my jam when I am checking any type of insurance eligibility, insurance breakdown, if I want a generic breakdown, um, or if I just need a glance, a quick glance of their benefits, I use um, Trojan. And that is an amazing program. Um, you know, what plan does this patient have if they are an HMO patient? Uh, what are the co-payments? What are the limitations? We need to understand and verify all this information, friends, before the patient gets into the office. Um, it, it sounds like a lot more than it is, but you know, it, it it's not as much as you think it is, but it is vital to preparation for that patient's visit. Um, you know, so now the patient comes in for their new patient appointment and the new patient experience begins. Why does the new patient experience matter to a biller? Um, because if the experience is not good, what's not going to happen? 
the patient is not going to do any treatment. There is, that's where my limitation comes in. I'm not going to be able to bill as much as I could have if the new patient experience isn't um, on point, right? So we want to make sure that we have intention around the new patient experience. That's a whole other conversation. And it is one that I am very passionate about. Um, If anybody wants to just, I mean, we don't have to have a, a, a training around it, but if you want to talk about it, I have um, I have something called the Disneyland experience. And um, I mean, again, I'm really passionate about it. Uh, if you want to know some ideas around the Disneyland experience in a dental practice and how to increase case acceptance through the patient experience, let me know. I'd be happy to, you know, even just do something as simple as a live um, very, very simple concepts. Anyways. So, um, again, we talked about the clean claim process in the beginning. I talked about how insurance companies, the first area that they sift through is the patient demographic information. And when a claim is denied or delayed, because let's say we forgot to put the patient date of birth there, I've seen um, such frivolous errors as forgetting to complete the street name um, of the patient's address. So we put the numeric portion of the address and then forget to put the street name. Uh, Yes, those claims were denied and delayed and we had to resubmit and that affected our days in AR for that month and I was not happy about that. So, um, you know, being very careful in entering the patient's information, believe it or not, impacts the clean claim process. Now, we talked about this earlier. Uh, I have the clean claim process broken down into 15 scenes. <laughs> I don't know why I called them scenes. I, you can call them stages. Um, but the scene, scene two is going to be when the patient is now in the back. And we talked about this when we talked about the billing department guide, making sure that we understand um, pre-existing treatment is documented, um, you know, crown history, filling history. If those fills look old and cracked and, um, you know, the teeth are chipping, we might want to get some history on that. Or let's say that the filling is intact, but there's recurrent decay um, under that filling. And we find out that the filling was done 12 months ago, uh, there's probably a frequency limitation and we may or may not be able to bill for that filling, but I need to know when that filling was done in order to know how to submit that claim or if we're going to charge the patient. Denture history. Oh my gosh, friends, please do get that. Partial denture history. Um, you know, we talked about the x-rays being taken, help your assistants help you billers it is not, uh, it is very important that they understand which x-rays need to be taken pre-operatively, post-operatively, intraoral photos, clinical documentation, incorporating health history for anything that we need to prove medical necessity um, as to why we did this procedure. Uh, so if you, if your standard of care, if your doctor's standard of care is panoramic x-ray, Um, Make sure that we get that CT scans, uh, you know, so very important that we have a method to our madness as a team so that we can submit cleaner claims 
the first time and decrease how long it is taking our claims to get paid in the first round. Uh, so with that being said, I'm going to leave you with um, something that I always say. And I want you to remember that just because your claim was paid does not mean does not mean it was billed correctly. So we're going to get into that in the next training, which is going to be next Thursday at 12 o'clock noon Pacific Standard Time. Again, these trainings are being recorded. And um, if you have any questions in between these trainings, feel free to reach out to me and I would be happy to um, answer your questions. And if you haven't already um, signed up for the next training, you'll probably have to sign up for the next training because I don't believe I had made this uh, series when I first initially intended on doing this training. Um, after creating the outline, I've realized it's just way too much information to go over in one setting, especially in an hour. And so I decided we're going to go ahead and spread this out again over seven parts. And um, I would love to see all of you join me for the next seven part series in the clean claim process. This is essentially the, um, the billing cycle from a, making the appointment to Z when we close out that claim and everything beyond that, running reports, um, the dental billing department formulas that we monitor, those things are going to be talked about probably in the last training. But um, until then, my friends, do you guys have any questions? Because um, I know this was a lot of information and um, I am... Hi, friends on Instagram. I'm so happy that I did this on Instagram too. You guys couldn't see the, the um, PowerPoint, but again, we are going to be releasing this uh, on the website when the training is done. So I'm going to go ahead and say bye, friends on Instagram. I've been live for some time now. Um, and hey, Bianca. And so if you guys are interested in um, seeing this webinar on the clean claim process, then feel free to go to my link tree in my bio, sign up, and I will see you guys next Thursday at 12. Bye. All right, friends, we are going to go ahead and I don't have any questions, so I will go ahead and wrap this up. Thank you guys for joining me. And um, if you do have questions after this training, you know how to get a hold of me. Um, feel free to go to my Instagram, Dental Billing Coach, and I'm pretty active on there. And I will see you guys next week, next Thursday, 12 o'clock, noon Pacific Standard. And I'll see you then. Bye. Okay, my friends, that's going to wrap up today's episode on the Dental Billing Podcast. I can't wait until the next episode, and I hope that you join me. Until then, take care.